the issues that appear to be of concern to people nowadays are uh, so small and insignificant compared to the absolute horror of war. For such a, a peaceful man, he must have killed people. You know, that's, that, that's, that's something that really does come as a, as a shock and something that surprises you when you first think the thought. I think he had two tanks destroyed during the war and they must have been like a small family working out of that tank and miraculously my granddad survived and he managed to you know, block that out so that he could continue to fight for the remainder of the war. It's quite remarkable. These are the words of real people written between 1940 and 1946. The views expressed may differ from the ideals of today and there are, on occasion, descriptions of war that some may find distressing. Postcard 66, 1st of January 1942. A happy new year, darling. I wish I could give you that greeting in person, but this year, as each previous year, I can't. It does seem strange that the four years we've known each other, we've never started the new year together. Shall we try and strike a bargain for next year, darling? I kept my promise and had a five-minute date with you from midnight last night, though the only place I could find to be alone was in the college yard, and although it was fine, it was very cold. Tell me how you spent yours. I will say goodbye now and write a letter later. Cheerio, my darling. And now, as always, all my love, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Post. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. God 75, 8th of February, 1942. Good evening, dearest. I had your first air graph addressed to our new home yesterday. I guess it was a shock to you that we moved, especially not having received your letters in the proper sequence. Anyway... By now you will know all about our house move and all the whys and wherefores. You're right, darling. We shall make many happy memories here, for I am sure you will like it. Postcard the same day. Nine months now, darling, since you went, and no signs of you coming home yet. Is it any consolation to you to know that dear old England still looks the same, and that even if these things change, I shall still love you, always? Russia is still doing very well, but somehow news of retreats in the Far East seems to put the damper on all news just now. To follow the war nowadays, one must sit with a map of the whole world, and when one looks at that, one almost despairs. I just wonder how and when this will all end, for we know it must end, but the desired ending seems very vague just now. 
but I suppose there must be a turning point sometime. I do hope you are well and comfortable, darling, and that you find time now and again to think of home and all your friends here, who are always asking after you. But never mind, darling. However long we have to be apart, ten months have gone, so that's some consolation. Good night, sweet, and all the good luck in the world be with you always. And when you're very tired, remember just rest your head in my arms and stay there until you go fast asleep. Oh, my love always, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Airgraph 31, 18th of January 1942. Hello, darling. You let us keep rolling on now that we're getting things straight again after the rush. Nine in total. Not a bad haul in three days. Yes, as you know, I got the shock of your having moved house before receiving the letters. However, why should I worry when I have a wife who is so capable as to be able to find such an excellent new house at the present time? Somehow, ducks, you seem to be getting all the trouble and worry at your end. Very sorry, sweetheart, but your Christmas letter only arrived today, so I was not able to keep that date with you on New Year's Eve. As a matter of fact, I was asleep, snug in my down sleeping bag. That bag is worth its weight in diamonds out here. We get two to three inches of ice on any water that is left out at night, and the winds just go straight through it in spite of heavy clothing. The same I wore last winter and plus a leather jerkin. Soon be time to turn out the light and snuggle into my down sleeping bag then, with your arms around me to drift lazily into dreamland with thoughts of happy memories and ever happier times to come. We too, always in step down life's highway, so once again it's good night my darling, with all my love and hopes for a speedy reunion. Good night Olga, good night. Cyril. 18th of March 1942, Wednesday. Today I got your air graphs. I could hardly believe my eyes when I saw them on the mat this morning, for that means four in two days. You've no idea what it did for me, for now I feel like a new woman. Poor boy, fancy a bath in a mess tin. But never mind, darling, we'll make up for that when you come home. And fancy you eating sand and me eating my heart out for the sight of it, along with the sea, of course. <laughs> well, sweetheart, my half ounce is drawing to an end and, looking back, I don't seem to have said much about you, do I? But, darling, won't it be grand when I haven't got to sit and draw rough sketches and just describe all these lovely things, but when we shall be able to enjoy all these lovely, delightful things together? When it won't matter whether the garden is in bloom or not, inside the house will always be sunshine. The sunshine of complete happiness. But in the meantime, it is enough to know that we are each well and safe and still loving each other. According to the BBC, we are giving Germany something to think about in the shape of heavy explosives. Well, it's not before time, but it seems we are going to get our share too. Bath has been the target for today's daylight raid here, and in view of the mention they gave it, it was no small raid either. Good night, darling and eyes front and fingers crossed for the new year. Look well after yourself and change your socks and hankies regularly. All my love, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Six months prior. A letter written during the siege of Tobruk, but not received by Olga until this point in May 1942. Letter 24. Started October 1941 and finished February 1942. 
The happy life we lived during last summer came to an end on the 9th of November 1941, a Sunday. All my major moves with this unit so far have been on a Sunday. We went west, and how. Lucky as usual, we were the reserve squadron and left civilization the last of all. As you know, the push commenced on the 17th of November, when we were still way back in the rear picking up our tanks. After seeing what Jerry did to our other squadrons, I'm damn glad we were the last. We picked up our tanks on the 20th and started the last run up to the Libyan border. Then the fun commenced. An Nazi armoured column had broken through and was running around the back area, through which we were moving, creating merry hell amongst our supply vehicles. We hunted that blasted column for a week. It'd be six miles one side, then eight the other and so on, and of course it could move faster than our heavy tanks. We were up and on the move every day before dawn, in the tanker action stations all day with just a snatch meal of biscuits and bully. Make camp at dusk, do maintenance until 11 or 12 o'clock adjusting, oiling, refuelling, etc. All mucky jobs. A rub of cotton waste over the hands, off with overalls and into the blankets until 5am, then off again. Gosh, darling, you should have seen us after a week of that. Unwashed, unshaved, half-fed. However, the Nazis managed to get back into hellfire at Bardia, so we went along to Sidi Omar, where the rest of our battalion had made the first break through the wire. Here it was a regular mix-up. We moved into a... Letter 51, 8th of November, 1941. Hello again, dearest. I wonder how long shall we be saying hello on paper and me saying engineer's western hello? How long before we sit down and eat and laugh together again? Oh, I ask myself this dozens of times a day without a glimmer of a light through this long darkness. It is now nearly seven months since I saw you last and by the time you get this... We shall be almost finishing our first year. Or perhaps the mail may speed up a bit. Anyhow, it's a hell of a long time when you're more in love than ever. It's strange that the longer you're away, the more in love with you I seem to become. Seems that the old proverb, absence makes the heart grow fonder, still applies. Here it was a regular mix-up. We moved in through a gap in the minefields into a camp on the site of the old enemy positions. We were all mixed up, Indian infantry, British artillery, REs, RASC trucks, plus all sorts of odds and sods. We found a place to park our tanks, climbed out, just going to start a fire to make a meal when, phew, bang, phew, bang, one shell dropped about 20 yards one side of the tank, another about the same the other side. I don't quite know how it happened, but I was inside that tank with a lid down before the next shell finished whistling. The intermittent shelling went on for two days and while we carried on doing necessary repairs and maintenance, then we were ready. The enemy had two strong points, one on each side. We were to assist the Indians to take the southern one, Libyan city Omar. The artillery put up a hell of a barrage at 4am on the 30th. The Indians went in at 5.30 and we followed at 6 when it was light enough to see through our gun sights. The enemy held rings of trenches, Italians in the shallow outer rings and Nazis in the centre rings having deep, well-constructed ones with plenty of anti-tank guns and machine gun rests. Right in the centre was a triangle of big guns. Lucky for us, our artillery had put most of them out of action the day or so before. The whole area was surrounded by minefields, so we just kept running around the trenches. We got the remaining big guns before any of our tanks were hit. The Italians in the outer trenches soon surrendered. 
The Nazis in the inner ring kept us busy all day. We kept coming out, checking over the track, refueling, refilling with ammo. And then again about three o'clock in the afternoon we came out for the last time because our tracks were badly damaged. And lucky us, we just crawled back alongside our tent when one track broke. 20 minutes earlier and we'd have been parked right in the enemy lines. When I first went in, all I could think of was you. I am going to take snaps of the house as soon as we moved in to send you. It is very similar in design to the house at door. Decent sized kitchen, nice dining room at back facing onto the garden and beyond the garden the Abbeydale Park grounds. In summer it is completely private with trees and hedge so we can sunbathe to our delight. Or maybe that doesn't appeal to you now. I shall of course be using this room. The front room, lounge, is not as big as the one at door but very nice and cosy with a delightful bay window. Right in the enemy lines. When I first went in, all I could think of was you, mother and father, and the effects of a Jerry six inch shell. When battle began, I'd no time to think of anything at all. It was load, reload, and reload again. I was scared stiff at the thoughts of going in, and yet somehow once in, one seemed to forget about personal danger. One just concentrated on the game in hand. Next morning, they surrendered what was left of them about 250 Germans and a few Italians. The column of prisoners came past our lines. Poor devils, they looked just about as fed up as we ourselves felt. However, for them, the war was over. The Italians seem quite friendly when they're beaten, but many of them are very treacherous in the field. One of their favourite tricks is to come out with white flags when the tanks come up, then throw Molotov cocktails at you when you're passing and go back to their machine guns and fire at our infantry when the tanks are safely passed. We caught one bunch of them doing just that trick, so our gunner gave them a box of Beezer to sort out, and that was the end of them. We spoke to some of the Germans in the compound that evening. I do hope I have given you something like a description of your new home. And, darling, am I forgiven for upsetting your dreams of home and door? Remember, darling, I am acting on the decision of my head, not my heart. For every time I look round, every time I go into a room, my heart says, stay... For until you return, the other will only be a house. I feel I am leaving everything here. The sound of your feet on the paths, your laughter, your face at the table, everything. And that was the end of them. We spoke to some of the Germans in the compound that evening. A few were real fanatical Nazis, just a very few. The bulk of them were typical of a young lad of 17. But when one of our lads said, hello, Nazi, he drew himself and replied... Me no Nazi, me conscript German. It made me think of our squad motto at Catterick, conscripted and proud of it. We went round their trenches next day. They appeared to have ample of everything, water, food, ammo, guns, etc. They have much drinking water, special brand of spa water in two pint bottles. Lovely stuff. I drank a whole bottle in about ten minutes. The best water I've ever tasted since I left home. I was on the run next day, but it was worth it. The trenches were up to eight foot deep, which in rocky ground must have entailed enormous amount of hard labour. I managed to send you an aircraft number 26 during the next few days whilst we repaired the tank. On the move again Sunday, of course, 7th of December and up to Fort Capuzzo, where we just hung around for a week to see if the Germans in Hellfire Pass were coming out for a fight. They didn't, and so we moved west towards Tobruk. Two days later, still 40 miles east of Tobruk, we stopped for a day's maintenance. 
You know, darling, I'm looking forward to the war being over, if only for the real lazy time I keep promising myself. There, I've just about given you a fortnight's account of myself. What are you doing with all your spare time? I don't suppose you could give me as full an account as I give you, and it's difficult for me to imagine you in your new role in life. Somehow I always think of you as I remember you in Sheffield. They didn't, and so we moved west towards Tobruk. Two days later, still 40 miles east of Tobruk, we stopped for a day's maintenance. The fitters took a part of our tank out in order to replace it. 12 o'clock and we received the order to move. Well, they all did, so did we, but only at about two miles per hour. It took us five days crawling along the road to reach Tobruk. The first night we were on our own, we stopped about four... Your mother came after dinner and brought me a lovely shepherd's pie, followed by a baked custard. And though I am miles from straight at the moment, the most pressing job on hand is writing to my darling. You should thank your lucky stars you're not here. I'd find you dozens of jobs to do. But they'll soon get done when you come home. You will find it all nice as apple pie. Five days crawling along the road to reach to Brook. The first night we were on our own, we stopped about four. We'd hardly any grub or water, but we managed one good meal and all four of us turned in early and had a damn good night's sleep. Next morning, we finished a leisurely brekker and about nine o'clock, an infantry officer stopped to have a chat with us. His platoon of 28 men had captured 108 of the enemy the day before and he was going to make arrangements to have them taken away so they could round up another 200. Just over there, he pointed. Oh, said we in a chorus, over where? Oh, about a mile and a half across there, he replied. Phew. It was the first night of freedom from the squadron guards. The first night we hadn't had to do a guard for over six weeks and how we enjoyed that sleep. And then that next morning we went on chatting. What, no food, he said. About half a mile over there's a German food dump. As soon as he'd gone, we made a beeline for the dump. What a place. Rows and rows of cases. Meat, vegetables, cheese, fruit. Enough tinned food to feed thousands loaded up the tank and set off again for Tobruk. That night for tea we had a real feast. Soup, potatoes, spinach, carrots, followed by fruit with a drink of coffee to follow. Lucky again. We passed a water point about four miles from the town. Now for the garden. The roses are sprouting, the primulas are out, daffodils are in bud. And on the corner of the house there is a lovely flowering currant bush that is in bloom now and it looks lovely. Beside it is a bush, and I don't know the name of it, but it's very lovely. It's all flower, bright yellow, and all the little flowers hang down. It isn't laburnum, but I will get to know the name of it. Lucky again. We passed a water point about four miles from the town, filled our empty cans, pulled off the road a little further down and had our first good wash and shave for 14 days. Also a haircut with the scissors out of the first aid kit and decided to stop the night. Dust came and so did the Germans. All the akak went up, flares and bombs came down. It was quite enjoyable from a distance. I said lucky. Well, the next air raid onto Brook was a week later when again we were a few miles out of town on our way back to the unit. All was peace whilst we were there. I sent you a Christmas telegram, also wrote to Ma and Pa... In fact, I had a very busy week living in an Italian villa, just eating and sleeping the time away. Just when we thought we were settled for Christmas, they turned us out into the desert again to look for our unit. 
which by that time was the other side of Donna. However, there were many other odds and sods like ourselves temporarily detached from the unit, so we were formed into another squadron. On Christmas Day, we picked up another tank and an extra... To begin at the beginning, we'll start with Christmas Eve. I was working days at Tudor House, and the girls and myself had a real Christmas lunch at Coles, Goose and all the trimmings. Christmas Day, we worked in the morning, then walked over to meet the official ramble for lunch in the miners' arms at Eam. What a time, I shall be a long time forgetting it. In all, there would be about 30-odd of us, and what with a good fire, good food, good friends and good drinks, we were all a trifle merry. So we were formed into another squadron. On Christmas Day, we picked up another tank and next day started back east to take part in the attack on Bardia. Two days later, we were in position with a day between us and the attack, and I wasn't looking forward to it at all. The luck held. We had to hand our tanks over to another battalion who took them in. Well, from what we can make out, it was a bit of a farce. The tanks took their positions. The South African infantry occupied them. The tanks moved on and the infantry moved back and then went on for two days. And the South Africans wouldn't stand up to the job. That night, our artillery, mostly Polish, put up a terrific barrage and next morning they sent out a white flag, finally surrendering at 10 o'clock. Next night, the BBC came on the air and told how the gallows... You know, dearest, I have a feeling that somehow it won't be so very long before you are home again. Perhaps it's just a feeling, but it's a hunch worth holding on to, don't you think? Oh, darling, if you knew the time's a dream of how you will come home where I shall see you first... What it will be like to hear your voice again. If one day I shall pick up the receiver and hear your... Hello, ducks! from somewhere near at hand. All these daydreams. But quite honestly, although I condemn dreamers, my life would be quite intolerable without these daydreams. Surrendering at ten o'clock. Next night, the BBC came on the air and told how the gallant South Africans had taken Bardia at the point of the bayonet. That's the second time they've funked it. After seeing the work of our British infantry and the Indians at Sidi Omar, when they did a really tough job, it does make one wonder if we shall be sent home from here, for the South Africans can't hold this course themselves. There's not much more to tell you. Our battalion came back from Dana and arrived on New Year's Eve. Next day we all went back to our squadrons and a number of us were immediately transferred to A and B to replace their casualties. I was sent to A. At present, I'm not in a tank crew, but I'm just doing odd jobs like AA post, squadron runner, etc. And having a lazy time in a comfortable little tent near to the cookhouse. Time's about 3.30. Lunch has been and gone. I've just reread this brief outline of my life during the last two months. It'll be at least another two before you read it, and signs of spring will be in the air, and the missus will be a-wearing of her new green and black outfit, and I shall still be floating around somewhere. There doesn't seem much for us to do out here now, but nobody seems to say anything about being sent home. I wonder how long it'll last. Last night's news gave the Russians advancing towards Smolensk and the Polish frontier. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, Cyril, my angel, we are getting near the end again. I cannot understand how I can write so much without hardly mentioning you at all. But understand, Ellen, I still love you just as much as ever. Though your letters have taught me what it means to know you are still loved. A message from you is something I live and look for daily, like water from a spring on a scorching hot day, like rain to the parched earth. I'm in tune with you tonight. I've just looked outside. The moon shines as clear as day, and when I see the moon, I always remember the moons we've shared. The bridge at Wyming, November the 5th on the same drive... Cavalier, Catrick, and many others. Good night, my darling. And I do hope wherever you are, you are safe. I've been very worried lately and I'm anxiously waiting your next letters. Remember, darling, I am always with you and always love you. When I see you again, I don't think I shall ever let you out of my sight. Nobody seems to say anything about being sent home. I wonder how long it'll last. Last night's news gave the Russians advancing towards Smolensk and the Polish frontier. I wonder what our government will do if they think that the Reds are going to overrun Germany. There's still a good way to go yet, but it's going in the right direction now. The policy of Churchill seems to be to allow the USSR and Germany to mutually exhaust themselves so that the Anglo-American coalition can be masters of the peace. They even seem to be soft-pedalling now what little help we're giving to our allies. It looks as though there's going to be a struggle in Europe between our capitalist democracy and Soviet socialism. Well, darling, we've a long way to go yet before we can live in peace and sanity. My only wish is that we can travel it together. It's this separation that I feel most of all. I did mention before I left you that it may be at least two years before I returned. Well, the year has nearly gone, and although the entry of the USSR will shorten the war in one way there still does not seem to be much chance of our early return from abroad. It's been hard, sweetheart, but we've stuck out up to now and we'll just keep on sticking it out, knowing that someday we'll be together again. And until then, I can only go on sending you all my love every time I write. Cyril.
Cyril. I had the letter you posted by ordinary mail in February. Eighteen pages, I could hardly believe my eyes, and didn't particularly want to believe some of the things I read. I knew you'd had a rotten time, but never thought it had been as rotten as that. I suppose even then, you've only told me what you wanted me to know, and that was a black enough story. I know also that since then, things have been happening again, and I only hope they caught you on leave. I can't say much, darling, for even my pen is limited, but I can only hope and pray that the luck that has gone with you so far will stay with you until we meet again. It is hard trying to even imagine you suffering those hardships, and I'm not even now doing a lot of just wishful thinking or praying for impossible things. I know that while you are there, you will have to do your share with the rest. And there aren't as many of you to do the job as there might be. Is that as soon as is possible, you'll be back home again, well and safe. When that happens, together we shall look forward and start to live. And when we look back, I hope we can feel that all we suffered was worthwhile. If it really is worthwhile. Then we shall never regret what happened. For what did Lenin say? All my life and all my strength were given to the finest cause in the world, the liberation of mankind. And if out of all this chaos we end up with a socialist world, then surely this will have been a war of liberation. But that is not the straight road from here. The circumstances change so quickly when you think that just over a year ago we were ready to send men to fight the very country we now claim as our ally. It makes you wonder, where do we go from here? But I am convinced that this is the only time in our generation when there will be a chance of changing once and for all our social order. It has taken the rise of fascism to show our own weaknesses and blunders. Fascism must go, but at the same time we must see that the good in Germany is saved and that fascism in other countries does not survive. It was an easy job one time to keep up our morale by pointing out the weaknesses of others, but that won't go for future. As he said in your letter, time is a great exposer of the truth. And once the truth starts to reveal itself, there will be an ever-increasing search for it by everyone. Well, I've overrun my hour, but the sun still shines and somewhere in the distance is the drone of an aeroplane. I wonder if there has been another daylight raid somewhere. This has been a bad week for raids, day and night. But Sheffield has had no trouble. It has been reprisal raids and has been places mostly of historical importance. Well, darling, it will soon be evening and I always miss you most in the evenings. Perhaps it's because I think you might have time to miss me a bit then too. In the gardens around, men have been doing the gardening, children have been playing. I can hear the Totley buses now and then and the trains on the Chesterfield and Chinley lines. All seems at peace. Yet deep down inside them, everyone is at war. It all seems so very stupid. Forget me not. All my love, Olga. Notebook entry. They dream no more inspiring dreams of love and hope. Their hurts no longer ache with thoughts of home. No more will dawn bring light and then the fear. That day which follows is the last to come. 
Their ears are deaf to hideous noise of metal against plate, an awful scream of steel at lightning speeds that renders human flesh to something that no longer feels the pain, no longer heeds. Perhaps beneath some ridge or on deserted plain, wherein the cause of liberty they fought, and bitterly contested every inch of worthless ground, they lie at rest their precious freedom bought. Bought at the highest price that any man can pay, that, when passing time has dimmed the glory of their stand, the ignorance will with painful ceremony say, they rest in peace on sacred hallowed ground, that is forever England. No dedication trimmed with load and pomp can change this heap of rubble where they died. This filth-infested ground that all men cursed, and cursed again yet valiantly defied. Possession to the fore was in their hearts, a hated substitution for a dream, a mirage of the hills and winding lanes that they would see no more. Everything that he's he said throughout his letters were that the North African front was deeply unpleasant. One of the most obvious aspects of that was that they would have to go for weeks and weeks without washing. And the thing that made it all worse was that they were working in such dirty, filthy conditions. My name is Pete Moforth, and Cyril and Olga were my parents dirt from the firing of the guns and there was dirt from the diesel and all the mechanical systems inside the tank so I've been told by people who were in in the tank groups that um, that was really why why their berets were black Uh, once I know that he did get completely covered from head to foot with diesel and it brought out his skin in a really bad rash it's, it's bad enough to get covered in diesel, but then not to be able to wash it off for weeks. You know, that just made the whole thing so much worse. I was very surprised to you know, hear some of the censored versions of uh, his accounts of what fighting was like. My name is Joss Moforth, and Cyril and Olga were my grandparents. It makes me reflect on when I knew Cyril. He just seemed like a very nice old man um, that didn't have any major concerns or any he didn't appear to have any mental issues from his experience during the war however it must have been for so many people a great uh, impact on their mental state and quite rightly we have so much more importance uh, and knowledge on conditions like post-traumatic stress disorder Uh, and mental health Um, but back then I'm under the impression that it wasn't as talked about and I guess the coping mechanism for my granddad's generation was they just didn't talk about their experiences Um, which again is why these letters have been so interesting because it's given us a little bit of an insight into what he must have gone through I think the, the long battle letter uh, managed to get through, escape the censors, because the battle had already taken place. Dad had um, didn't say anything at all about um, troop deployments, equipment deployments, or, or, or anything that would have been potentially of use to the enemy. Um, the battle was, at that point, history. I mean, also, Dad would have 
been aware that mum got news about the fighting in North Africa and if all he ever talked about was drinking cups of tea and eating dates that probably would have would have made her nervous because she she'd have known that he wasn't really saying all that was going on. Join us next week for episode four of History's Letters of Love in World War II. Subscribe to Letters of Love in World War II and please don't forget to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. For more information, head to history.co.uk or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at History UK. Letters of Love in World War II was written and produced by Anna Priestland, edited by Joel Porter and produced and directed by Sam Pearson. 